Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. This may not be where you would think that a typical Mother's Day message comes, and this is not a typical Mother's Day message. This is what I believe the Lord has given us for, to look into today. Paul writes, and there's uh, turmoil in the church in Corinth. And there's all kinds of different voices rising up. And uh, there has been um, division, discord. And uh, there have been, there has been an unholy competition even in the church for people to listen to different voices. And um, it's come to Paul's attention, the apostle, founder of the church in Corinth, and he says, let a man, chapter 4, verse 1, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ. Now, um, we look back on that and we say, how can a man... Uh, who the Lord used to pen all these books of Holy Scripture, not consider himself above. Now, notice, let us consider ourselves as servants of Christ. And I know a lot of people listen online and a lot of folks who are in places of prominence Never forget that your calling is a servant. A servant. These more mature years of my ministry, the Lord continues to remind me that I am a servant. A servant. A servant. In the natural and in the trivial, that's one reason that I wear these shirts. Because God said you are my servant and you are their servant. I am your servant. It's also a blessing not to have to wear start shirts and ties every Sunday. <laughs> That's my problem, not yours. I was brought up that if you stand to minister the Word of God, you ought to look your best. That's just the way I'm brought up, and at my age, Buzz, I'm not going to change. <laughs> no slam on anybody else. Let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards Stewards, notice the word steward. A steward is not an owner. A steward is somebody who takes something that belongs to somebody else. Something precious that belongs to somebody else and serves that person to whom it belongs. You don't own anybody. You may own a business, you may be the pastor of a flock, you may be um, a, uh, have your own practice, or, but you don't own anybody. We are stewards. We are servants of what has been entrusted to us by God, our Creator, our Provider, our Redeemer. Moreover, it is required in stewards, everybody say, that's me. That one be found faithful. Notice what this doesn't say. It doesn't say it's required of stewards that one be found perfect. Listen to me now, especially you mothers. Whatever it is that has oppressed you for so long that you have got to be perfect in every 
response, every decision, everything, that is not of the Lord. The requirement that the Lord has of you, you don't own your children. He just asks you to be a steward and to be faithful. To be faithful. In fact, the more we, we act like we own somebody, the more out they are to rebel against our faults and deceitful actions. It is required of a steward that one be found faithful. But with me, he says, verse 3, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or a common court, a human court. My goodness. I wish I had known and walked in this as a younger man. The revelation that there is nobody that we should be concerned about judging us because we are not a steward of them. In fact, he says, I do not even judge myself. I do not even judge myself. I don't set myself up as my own judge. Yet I'm not by this justified, but he who judges me is the Lord. Everybody say it with me. My only judge is the Lord. It's not even me or anybody else. Therefore, verse 5, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from who? From God. You know what he's saying? <clears throat> he's saying not only don't judge yourself, you don't belong to yourself, but don't judge somebody else, who they are, what they do, what their ministry does, what, what, what their business or practice does, Commit that to the Lord because He's going to bring to light even our motives. Wow. So when those, and you know what? That's not just at the second coming. That means when the Lord shows up, He will make it clear what the counsel of the heart was in what they're, in, in why they're doing what they do. Well, so understand and don't spend so much time worrying about what other people think or say because the only judge that really matters is the Lord and when he shines the light of his counsel, he's going to expose where their counsel came from. How many of you know that the Lord, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, you got the greatest defense there is. Amen. We have an advocate, a legal super attorney before the throne of God, Jesus Christ the righteous. The blood of Christ pleads our case before him day and night. Thank you, Lord. So I want to say today to all of us that what God is saying to us that is our requirement today is to be faithful. Not to be super mom. Not to have all the answers when your kids and grandkids ask you, what should I do? You don't have to know all that. If you do have wisdom, understand that it comes from the Lord. And you can receive wisdom if you'll ask for it, James 1. If you'll ask for it, He'll give it to you, and then you can go on. Jeremiah, you don't have to stop with just the, the wisdom that comes out of the mind of Christ. You can ask, according to 1 Corinthians, you can ask for a special gift of wisdom. You can ask for a word of wisdom. So I ask for those three things all the time. Lord, impart to me your wisdom. Right out of the mind of Christ. 
I even ask you for something extra. I ask you for the gift, the spiritual gift of wisdom. I ask you for even the the anointing of the word of wisdom. Pursue it. The Lord is willing and able to give it to you. It's not closed off for a few. It's open to all His children. Thank you, Lord. God is going to, when the Spirit of God makes clear what the counsels of the hearts are, then each one's praise will come from God. God will affirm that which is of Him, and He will expose that which is not. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to be faithful. If you're a mom here today, or going to be, I want you to know that you're chosen as the daughter of the Lord. Ephesians 1 says that He chose you for the foundation of the world. The Lord loved you and He chose you. You're not inferior to anybody. You're not without any spiritual gift that you need. You were planned, you were loved, and you were chosen. And I want you to know that there are a lot of women today who are suffering because they have not been a physical mother. Let me remind you that uh, if you're a daughter of the king, you have an assignment. And you, you have spiritual DNA in you, if, even if you have not carried a physical child. You have spiritual DNA in you if you are a daughter of the Lord. You have the ability to love and encourage and nurture and to, and to help lead other young women and young men. To the knowledge of the Lord. Even if you're not a physical mother, you have a, a spiritual DNA placed in you that you can be a spiritual mother, even if you're not a physical mother. Ask the Lord to show you what that looks like. <coughs> uh, we've got people in this congregation who did not bear children, but they have the spiritual DNA of motherhood, sharing, showing concern and love, and, and have ministry of encouragement and comfort. That's a blessing. That is, a, you're inferior to no one. You're the king's daughter. You are the king's daughter and don't forget that and ask the Lord to help you understand more and more about what that looks like if you are a mother you're not only chosen as his daughter but he he, he has given you a a calling There are a lot of women today who just say, oh, if I could just figure out what, 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 what my calling is. Do you know that uh, you're chosen as a daughter of the Lord? If you're a physical mother, you, you have a calling. And the biggest calling that you have is to be a mother. God trusted you. To be the carrier of life into this world. But if you are a king's daughter and you have a physical child, that is a calling. It is a high calling. It's the hardest job there is. No, not even close. Anything, nothing else is close. It is the hardest job there is. It is the opportunity to have the greatest joys and excitements that you can ever experience. And it's also the opportunity to have the deepest suffering 
there is on the earth. It's a high calling. The Lord trusted you to carry and nurture and correct and counsel and intercede for a child. What a blessing. What a calling. The Word of God is very, very clear. That He saw us before we were born. And the Word says that He, God, this is the Judeo-Christian belief on the Word of God. And we need to stand on it and never be moved off of it. That the Lord knit you together in your mother's womb. You know what that means? Well, I don't know, Pastor, about this. That that means that that's not just a mass of tissue that a woman can just do anything she chooses with. It means God Almighty is working on something. God is working on something. You were fashioned in your mother's womb. The body of Christ, above all, needs to stand on that truth and not be moved off of it. God is working on something, and remember this, as <clears throat> that which is being fashioned and formed in the womb of the mother is going to live for eternity. You and I are not infinite. We had a beginning. But we don't have an ending. We were born physically, we were reborn spiritually. And although we had a beginning, we're not going to have an end. We're going to live somewhere forever. Thank God the Word of God is clear for those of us who are in Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Remember that it is a a high calling to be a mother. God loves and He's working. I don't care exactly how that is being brought to pass or what the circumstances are, God is working on something. David said, in sin my mother conceived me. (coughs) And the Lord said about David, this is a man after my own heart. So how he got there was not David's concern. His concern was what God was doing. God doing something. That is the word of God. The Lord is working on something. Something that is eternal. Something that has the capacity to receive and reflect the glory of God. And I appreciate Pastor Wayne and that great message last week for reminding uh, all of us again. That's why we're here. To receive and reflect the glory of God. So what does the Lord require? Faithfulness to the Lord, to whatever His assignments are. You know, I want you to turn with me to Luke 8. There are some incredible things that get lost sometimes in in the long time teaching of the the church and that's unfortunate because there are those who <clears throat> don't feel like that women mothers um have a special place in the heart of God. And, and there's you can't read the scripture under the direction of the Holy Spirit without knowing that that is not true. The Lord loves His daughters. Amen. Luke 8. It came to pass afterward that as Jesus went through every city and village, 
preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Does that surprise you? No. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Infirmities are physical, mental, emotional uh, weaknesses, sicknesses. So, wait a minute here. So there was not just the twelve, there was a group of women who were also following Jesus in His ministry on the earth. Yes. What a past Mary called Magdalene had. She was, she was a carrier of seven demons. So you think she'd have been teaching Sunday school back then? Out of whom had come seven demons and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. Who was Herod? He was the king of the Jews. So one of his inner circle's wife started believing in Jesus and started following him. Talk about not being politically correct. And it was a woman. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, and Susanna, and many others. A whole group of women, many others who provided for Jesus from their substance. He had women ministry partners who helped finance him and the other 12 guys while they were doing the ministry. Hallelujah. They had a heart and they had means to invest in the ministry of the Lord. And the Lord saw to it that this was included in Holy Scripture. This is a big deal to the Lord Jesus. You say, well, I don't know. Maybe they just showed up for a little while. No. Turn back to Matthew. I want to show you something here. Matthew 27. You see there in uh, verse 55. This was, the scene here was the crucifixion. Jesus was hanging on the cross at Golgotha. And verse 55 says, And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to Him, were there looking on from afar. They were not allowed to be right there with the soldiers. They were looking up. They were there to observe the crucifixion, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John. Oh my. Look at chapter 28. See all the rest of the disciples, the men went on back. Some of the, the word says that in the garden of Gethsemane, they all forsook him and left. Did they do that because they were a man? No, they did that out of their own fear. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of women who don't carry the same kind of fear that men do. They they are ferocious. They won't let go of anything. Once they know the Lord is in this, they're ferocious. They're not going to let go. They're not out there like little fading flowers, ferocious in their faith, in their love, in their service, in their loyalty. What are we talking about? Faithfulness, being committed, being consistent, being loyal. Chapter 28, This this is the resurrection day. After the Sabbath is the first day of the week began to dawn. Who was there? 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Mary was a popular name back then, it looks like. Oh, my goodness. Look at verse 5. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, as he said. Look at verse 8. So they, they who? The women. They went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they were, went, verse 9, to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, rejoice. They, fell down, they held him by the feet and worshipped him. So, are you understand where we, what the word is telling us here? That women followed him and ministered to him. That women were at the cross. That women were the first people that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection. The first. Then Jesus gave them a, an assignment. Do not be afraid. You go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. What I want to tell you is the Lord will reward the faithfulness, the commitment, the consistency, the loyalty, the steadiness, the ferocity of spirit of his daughters. And his sons, if we'd show up. What these women were saying, Lord, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. The heart of faithfulness is commitment. We look at some of the great women of the Bible and we see... Well... People like uh, Sarah. Remember her? Everybody knows about Abraham. We're Abraham's spiritual descendants. You ever thought about um, Sarah? You know what most people remember Sarah for is the wrong thing. Because remember God spoke to Abraham and he said when Abraham was 75, your descendants are going to be like the sand of the seashore, innumerable. And he said, I'm, I'm going to get into a covenant with you forever, and my blessing is going to be on you forever. It's not going to end. Well, he got to be 87, and he got, had had that promise for several years, and Sarah went to the uh, OB doctor and was told, no deal. And she was only 10 years younger than him, so she had to be 77. So, and I know people lived longer back then, but still, this was a major issue. So, you remember the mistake uh, Sarah made. It's always recorded in the Bible, and everybody remembers it. She went to Abraham and said, we must have misunderstood. We must have misunderstood that we were going to have this child together. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to give you my blessing and permission. In fact, I'm going to tell you what you ought to do is that you ought to impregnate uh, one of our employees. Oh, what a great idea that was. <laughs> and so Hagar birthed an Ishmael. Oh, my. You heard about some of the issues with the Jews and the descendants of Ishmael on the news this week. God puts it out there. He just tells the truth. And so most people think, oh, what an incredible thing she did. Oh, no, wait a minute. Look at Hebrews 11. I want to, I want, I want to show you how God feels about Sarah. Not how the church feels. We ought to be ashamed. I want to show you how God feels about Sarah. Chapter 11 of Hebrews. 
Do you understand that chapter 11 of Hebrews, Emmanuel, is the hall of fame of faith? It's the hall of fame. People who are incredible carriers of faith. And guess who made it? Look at verse 11. Sarah's in there. By faith, Abraham herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Genesis tells us 90 years old. Because, watch, because she judged him, God, faithful who had promised. Sarah received strength to conceive seed and bore a child because she was standing on the promise God gave that out of their own seed Isaac would be born. So what I'm trying to tell you is, are you listening to me? And I know many of you are listening on tape. It doesn't matter what a major mistake you have made in the past, God has not given up on you. Hallelujah. God can and will do great and mighty things through those who will regain their faith, who will go back to the Lord and repent of past mistakes, but move on to those things that are ahead. God can and will do great things. And I don't care what the mistake is, I want you to know this, that God saw you before you were ever born he wanted you, He chose you, and His grace is enough to get you out of that hole onto what He's called you to do. Amen. That should be the message of the church. Not judging people and kicking them to the curb and having nothing to do with them and getting away from Listen, the message of the church is personified right here by the grace of God working through a woman who took ownership of where she was, what she did, but then took ownership of the promise of God and was used mightily. Almost started preaching right there. Sarah. Were you not convinced yet? Well, what about the holiest mother of all time? The most famous holy mother of all time. Of course, Mary, what did, what did the angel say to her? God is working. God is going to do something amazing and mighty. And that which is born of you will be the Holy Son of God. Don't forget that there's only one intercessor between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. There's only one who is sinless and qualified to carry your sin. And there's only one who is right now at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. Amen. But I want to show you something here to let you know that one of the, one of the ways that you're faithful is not only to be committed but to be willing to receive correction. Mary received some correction. That's one reason, one way, one thing in which I respect her even greatly. In chapter 2, this is a familiar passage. You learned it as a child. Chapter 2, verse 41, you see Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they came to Jerusalem, verse 42, according to the custom of the feast. And when they finished those days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Now remember that they traveled with a huge caravan of relatives and friends. They were huge families. And they, they, they took big crowds to Jerusalem from where they were. Joseph and his, uh, well, I love this. Verse 43. When they had finished the days they, as they returned, they were back on the caravan heading back to Nazareth. The boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. We all know that. And Joseph and his mother, Mary, did not know it. Now remember that by this time, Mary and Joseph had had many other children. 
uh, not very long, and I'm not trying to be crude here, but not very long after the birth of Jesus, uh, other children came along. She's not the Virgin Mary anymore. You do know that, right? I won't go any further with that, but I mean, the word is very clear that Jesus had several brothers and sisters. Okay, well, you you, you got me. So, there was this huge crowd, family, friends, everything. And it took them a few days because the kids would obviously play with one another and fellowship and all of that. And it was a big crowd. Verse 44 says that they supposed him to be in the company and they went a day's journey. Now understand, they, they weren't traveling in a Chevrolet. They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. They had walked and ridden uh, domesticated animals a whole day. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after three days, they found him in the temple. Wait a minute now. You got a 12-year-old and you can't find him for three days. You don't have a clue. Are you not beside yourself? Three days. There were no cell phones, Squealy. They had no communication. So they came back into the temple and they found him there listening to teachers and asking them questions. Thank God for the love of the Word of God. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, watch this, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Sounds like a lot of moms that we've grown up with. His mother, everybody say, that's Mary, Mary. said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Now, wait a minute now. Your father and I have sought you anxiously. Listen, if I were Mary, I would have said more than that. Wouldn't you, Jeremiah? I I wouldn't have stopped right there. But this tells you right here that Mary is not, uh, she is not without uh, sin and she, she didn't get everything right. Your father and I have sought you anxiously and he said to them, Jesus said to his mother and daddy, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? The Lord has told you over and over and over and over again why I'm here. You got an angelic visitation to explain why I'm here. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Now look at the next verse. What did the Lord do? Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. He was subject to them. You know what that means? Honor your father and your mother, even if they're wrong. That is not popular preaching. Even if they don't understand. Obviously, we're not talking about engaging in something sinful. Or, But I want you to see this. Sometimes... Sometimes, and not just mothers, but all of us who are parents, can what we believe in with all our heart to be the best and the right thing to do. She's all right. It's okay. (laughs) Just a child. Look. Be willing to admit it when, it when you blow it. Do you know one of the hardest things that I ever had to do when God, Grace, Dean, and I with, with Bryant growing up 
He gave, it, he gave him to us for 18 and a half years, Jim. What a blessing. I don't look back and say, God, why, why, why? I say, God, how, how, how could we have been this blessed? There's a difference, you know. One of the things the Spirit of God taught me, Buzz, was there were times when the Lord would say, after I had responded to Bryant in certain ways, just in the heat of my own aggravation, the Spirit of God would say, you know, you got that wrong. <laughs> and sometimes he would say, you told him the right thing, but you told him the wrong way. Is anybody else in here guilty of that occasionally? You said the right thing, but you said it in the wrong way. And so there were times when the Lord would require me to go back up the steps in our home, go to Bryant's bedroom and say to him, I didn't handle that right. I am sorry and I ask you to forgive me, please. Uh, how do you like in 40s and 50s going to a child and admitting you're wrong and asking for forgiveness? Here's what I see is one of the reasons that Mary is so great. She was correctable. <sighs> Sarah was so great, she was correctable. We see the grace of God there. So being faithful not only means being committed, but being correctable. And last, it means continuing to be courageous. Submitting to the Lord. And I want to close with this. Matthew 25 gives us a parable about Stewards. Remember, we started the message today about God has called us to be stewards. And His requirement is faithfulness. Not perfection. Faithfulness. 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 Jesus told a parable about three stewards. That means they didn't own it, but it, there was granted to them by an owner responsibilities to take care of some assets, be it real estate, be it finance, whatever it was. And after a while, the Lord met with them to have a time of accounting. How many of you know all of us are going to have a time of accounting? And uh, the owner of the assets said to steward number one, um, Tell me what you've done. Steward number one said, you gave me five talents, and it was a tangible expression of something that was tangible monetary. And I went out, and I invested those five, and I earned five more. And the Lord said, well done, good and what? Good and what? Faithful servant. Because you have been faithful with what you were given, I'm going to give you five more. I'm going to double what I gave you because you were faithful. Faithful. Did you get everything right every day? No. You were faithful. Same thing happened with some, with one of the stewards who had two. He said, well done. I, I gave you two. You earned two more. Well done. Good and what? Faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. Now watch this, which is what he said to the other. I'm going to make you ruler over much. I'm going to put you in charge over much. Because you've been faithful with a little. And then there was one who came to him and he had been given one talent and he said to the owner I knew you were you were hard to get along with I knew you had a whole lot of hard expectations 
And so I was afraid, Matthew 25 uses that word, I was afraid I went and hid what you gave me so I wouldn't lose it. Are you afraid you're going to lose what you're not an owner of anyway? You're just a steward? I said, are you afraid you're going to lose what you're just a steward of anyway? I was afraid and I hid it. I didn't do anything with it. I just stopped the process. I hid it. And the owner said to that, you are a wicked and disobedient steward, servant. He said, at least you should have put it in the bank and earned interest on it. You know, Jim, they had banks even back then. Jesus' day. Yeah. Should have put it in the bank. And he said, but because you did nothing out of fear, even what you had will be taken and given to him who did something with what he had. Wow. Faithfulness. That is our message from the Lord today. That's what he requires, and that's what he rewards. Let's all stand. Father, thank you for your holy and mighty word. So many times we get mixed up, confused because we don't walk in the simplicity, the depth of obedience to you. Thank you for making it clear that all that you expect from us is faithfulness. And thank you that you even give us the grace to be faithful. Thank you that there's more than enough grace when it's hard to be faithful. Thank you that you'll never run out of that grace towards us. if We'll call on you and rely on it by faith. Thank you for the example in Holy Scripture. Of those incredible, incredible women of faith. Who despite serious mistakes continued to believe. And are renowned in the kingdom of God. I want to say here today. Whoever you are. Whatever it is that you believe. That you may have totally messed up before the Lord and then there's no grace left that's a lie from the devil God's grace can move you from where you are to where he wants you to be you are not the sum of your mistakes you are seen and loved you are redeemed you are cherished There is a place before the throne of God of grace today. Favor, grace, and mercy to help you in your time of need. I believe today that there are daughters of the Lord who are still living with great condemnation over decisions and choices they've made in the past. It's time for you to know that your father knew about all those before you were born. He saw you and loved you. He desires to grant you all the favor, the love, the grace that you need. To recognize that you don't have to be the sum of past mistakes. You can be who he created you and redeemed you and gifted you to be. A daughter of faithfulness who will bear fruit for the glory of God. Your best days are ahead because of the grace of God. Your best days are ahead because grace is better, not worse, than your worst time. Some of you are going through seasons of great pain and sadness and 
sometimes regret and misunderstanding and I want you to know something here today. The resurrected one is praying for you before the throne of heaven. The Holy Spirit will encourage you and give you every breath you need. And I want you to know something else. Your best days are still ahead. You haven't seen anything yet. The grace of God is greater than this season that you're in. I love the book of Daniel chapter 2 where the word says God changes times and seasons. Thank you, Father. And I speak a change of season here today. Hallelujah. I speak a change of season to those who are stuck, for those who are mired in circumstances, to those whom life has run over. I speak a change of season by the power of the Spirit of the living God to be released in and through them. I pray you would orchestrate, Father, angelic hosts to minister to them as you did your own son. I ask you, O God, to move mightily. Move mightily, O God, in people. Move mightily in customers and clients. Move mightily in friends and loved ones. Move mightily in marriages. Move mightily in children. Bring them to a new season in the grace and the love of God. Just be faithful. He'll reward you. You know how much I love you. I pray for you every day. We'll see you next week. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.